0: Thank you for listening to The Audio Project with Dina Tierney. This podcast is recorded from my office in downtown Honolulu and welcomes you to join in the conversation. All right, here we are. Today I have Mark Concanon, CEO of Concanon Business Consulting on The Audio Project. Mark, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Dina.
0: All right, great. Well, I want to just kick it off by saying this. Um, You and I have known each other a really long time. And I think that you're great at a lot of things. You're a great businessman. You're really great at consulting. But one of the things that stands out to me um, is how strong you are as a people manager. Um, I can remember from all the years that I've known you since way back in Dallas, all the way through our time, you know, working in LA. um, I remember on frequent occasions, you saying that taking care of your people is one of your top priorities. Um, And in this industry, I think um, it's especially important for those of us that are in the consulting space, But all employers, you know, to put their employees top of mind, and I'm going to say that you do that really well. Um, And speaking of employees, uh, I want to dive into a topic that's um, something you have a lot of experience in, uh, and definitely some recent experience in, and I want to um, get you to go through all of that. But um, first of all, with these stay-at-home orders, the shelter-in-place restrictions, all these things that are happening due to the coronavirus, a lot of companies are recognizing the importance of having their employees be able to work and be productive from home, or in general, be uh, virtual, virtual working. So I wanted to dive into this topic with you, but before we do, can you give our audience a brief introduction of yourself, your background, what Concannon Business Consulting is, and what, what what it does?
1: Certainly. Thank you, Dina. And I think you're right. A big piece for a consulting firm is ultimately our people are our primary asset. So, if we can't be doing things to help them stage, uh, bring value to their careers, uh, give them challenges as much as we can every day with the work they're assigned and they take on, we're going to lose our best people. So, you're right, uh, it's definitely a heavy focus for us. And as far as what we do, what we work on is helping large organizations go in new directions. Uh, we've helped major telecoms, we've helped major automotive uh, organizations, we've helped uh, manufacturing companies when they decide there's uh, something new. So what we really enjoy is a lot of what we get to work on. I wouldn't say leading edge because often that's a little ahead of where the market is, but definitely leading edge uh, technologies and business processes and new solutions, which ultimately combine those parts. Uh, we've been very fortunate to work with some things around virtual reality as a remote workspace solution, things like micro learning and remote training to help your workforce uh, come on board at scale without having to bring them all locally to a single location. Uh, and so we've been able to apply some of that as we've been moving into this space in the last few weeks that we have to uh, pl- practically apply exactly those things uh, for our own workforce as well as our clients uh, in a very quick time period. So it's been a, a challenging time, very interesting on those fronts. Yeah, that's, that
0: sounds like it. Um, can you, let's dive in more because I want to hear about what. You're doing with micro learning with virtual reality. Um, explain like what tools and technologies are used, how they're implemented, and how they're used, and um, how companies are benefiting from that. That's a lot, but certainly.
1: So when um, I usually refer to the micro learning, we have a specific technology partner called Convey Your, and they've been in business for something like eight or nine years now. Uh, really, uh, they develop it as a service that allows you to get multi-channel messaging out to the right person at the right time to their preferred channel. And we always think of the multi-channel right person, right time thing from a marketing perspective, right, to reach your target consumer. Uh, in this case, we're reaching our target market of the uh, consumer of knowledge. Um, and sometimes that can be as simple as a quick text message to make sure they're aware of the coronavirus impact for work the next day, which was how we used the platform uh, with some shifts that happened uh, last week at the last minute. And then also for ongoing training, uh, drooping information to them. It can be via the app, it can be a text message, you can use video, basically any piece of content that makes sense. What I really appreciate about Conveyor is that over the years, they've been able to really learn the value of not just a great platform, Uh, that's robust and stable and services hundreds of thousands of users every day, but also that they're able to reach um, any type of content component and help their clients, and thus through us, uh, develop the content that makes sense. They've learned the little details that everyone has now started to recognize with microlearning, where less than two minutes of information delivered in a very engaging format ends up being much more effective than a lot of the longer – format uh, book reading and structure in the front of the classroom type things so what we like is being able to deploy these uh, very short messages in a focused way down to our community and then hitting just the ones we need so when we're uh, working across our different practices we can deliver the messages to the training group that's different than the contracts management group that's different than the connected vehicle group uh, which is what we really appreciate
0: yeah it sounds, sounds cool so virtual reality um can we talk on that? Like, what's, Certainly.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that's been exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love about the virtual reality, a lot of these technologies have been working with, is some of them are so applicable immediately, right? So, Conveyor, we've been able to, we've been deployed already. We've been obviously a, a customer of theirs and a partner for a while. So, when these things happened in the coronavirus lockdown, we were able to leverage that tool quickly. On the virtual reality front, uh, it takes a little more prep and it is a little bit more work to make sure you've got the message and content that makes sense. Uh, we partnered with an organization called Tailspin that's out here in Culver City, California, and they're great at envisioning how to make the most of the virtual world for immersion, a uh, shared workspace, and a virtual uh, idea, and how do you bring folks together from potentially all over the world to into a single virtual room to do meetings or do creative activities So it goes beyond just a video conference. It goes into an immersive, uh, almost lifelike experience for you to be in the room with other people without having to be there. So that one I'm really excited about a little bit longer term as they uh, solve some of the problems. One of the issues today is organizations out there. So Oculus is a good example of a hardware manufacturer that's been pursuing an enterprise solution for a while. Um, but we're seeing supply chain issues and productivity of actually being able to get a hold of devices due to uh, a lot of this, even back in December when China was starting to be impacted by the coronavirus. Then we're seeing the ripple effect now where there's some shortage of hardware for certain vendors to be able to then deploy these solutions. So now we start thinking about from the virtual world is it still a headset model? Should we start talking again about going back to mobile phones or web? but still leverage a lot of the best practices they've created, which is a virtual world of a meeting space or the virtual immersive environment for learning soft skills or learning technical skills that apply in a, a real world scenario.
0: Yeah, is it tough to develop content for that? I mean, it's it, you're, you're right. It does sound like it requires a little bit more prep if you're gonna go the virtual reality versus like, here's some notifications that are sent out or did, and do did the two kind of work together as well? Like, I'm just curious on that.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So the complementary component, if you think about the virtual reality, uh, at least as Tailspin's primarily been applying it to date, the focus is on a longer format but immersive environment. So it allows you to, for example, receive training as a manager on how to properly handle a termination or a layoff without having to practice with a human. You get to mm-hmm. practice with a virtual human. That individual moves and reacts and behaves in such a way that you get that very emotional response yourself as you learn how to manage that situation and do it in the way your corporation wants you to do it. So a lot of times in the past, there would be a role playing activity where you would sit down with a manager and you would go through these activities and then they would give you feedback. A lot of times people can get uncomfortable. um, It takes two people to do it. Whereas in this virtual world, you could have four or five people at once, all with the headsets on, being trained at the same time, and not require a one-on-one or watching somebody role-play. You're actually able to do this in a what feels safer environment, but you still get that emotional response. But to your point, that does require planning, right? So what has to happen there is a design of the module, deployment of the module to meet the specific needs. Uh, Tailspin does a great job of having a number of things out of box, effectively that they can train organizations on based on what they've built already. So that's sort of step one, longer format training uh, that can be leveraged. And then the supplementary component, you're correct, conveyor falls on the back where you can uh, identify either where in the virtual reality training the individual maybe was a little more challenged or didn't perform exactly as you'd hoped. And they got more practice there, right? And they were reminded how to do it best. And then the conveyor follows in on the back end to give them little reminders on the topics you want to focus on for them as an individual. Or as a group, you might have uh, pieces that come to them afterwards to say, there's some new things coming, or there's some modifications, uh, and keep it top of mind, right? keep it fresh. So the two do complement each other very well.
0: Okay. So in this, um, I, I love the use case for training. I think training's huge. Um, you know, um, There's so many, it's hard to upkeep. There's so many different challenges of bringing on and onboarding people. Um, so I love the, the virtual reality concept and, and that um, interchange um, in this situation, like with coronavirus, where do you see, because you talked about workspace capabilities, how do you see the remote work or is it not really the combination of it? Like what's remote work? Um, used yes, for it is. Yeah.
1: you're exactly right. Dina. It's a little bit of both. And so uh, the truly immersive training is one piece of it for the virtual world. Another piece is these remote conference room effectively. Right? And this applies a lot to organizations actually designing and creating physical product. Um, but it can also be something where you can pull people together into a virtual room and have a meeting that's a little more um, engaging than the flat screen of a video conference. Um, and also, you know, as we uh, live more and more at the work at home, uh, people make the jokes about your pajama uh, dress for the for conference calls. And not everybody wants to be on the videos this doesn't only give you a level of um, privacy that still is engaging but it also gives you that work from home anywhere in the world ability to meet and in that virtual space you can be in a conference room where people can move around and write on walls and interact and build a 3d product in the middle of the table it gives you this much more immersive and engaging um, world while still allowing each person to uh, engage themselves directly with the experience. So there's that, that spot that is about meetings, right? Then there's that spot that's about the long term, the say long format training. And then there's another piece, uh, an organization like Conveyor doesn't just deliver uh, information like a one-time, I'm going to teach you a little bit more about one topic. And maybe it's a, a software product update and you want to make sure your sales team's aware, right? So you could leverage Conveyor to push out a two-minute update on something about your product. But it also has the business rules to say, I've just had a new employee start. What is their role in the organization? Let's immediately give them the welcome message from the president. Okay, Mm -hmm. now let's follow that up with some content that's specific to their job role and give them a structured uh, capability inside the app to say, here are the 15 things we want you to finish yourself, self-paced training over the course of the next three days not only then does it control what they get and targets to them based on their job or other business logic but also tracks the progress how fast they went through it how well they did on tests afterwards and follow-up questions if you want to keep uh, reinforcing what maybe they struggle with a little bit more so it's that um, ongoing learning in a controlled format and the cross-channel and then lastly uh, communication so what you'll have sometimes is that Uh, an individual running a department or division might have some information that they just want to share a little text message or blurb to their team they can push that out with basically a push of a button to all the targeted team members it applies to so it's messaging as well as content as well as the meetings as well as uh, long format training in this immersive way is a lot of why we've been partnering up with these organizations to bring it all together
0: yeah, that sounds very cool. And you have, you do have the firsthand experience because your team, you've been working with your team remotely for, I mean, we've all been working, I feel like, in technology with remote teams for quite some time. Um, and, you know, I have a remote team, you have a remote team. So you're using these tools. Um, I think you told me just the other day that you use Conveyor to send out a, a communication to the team about some changes, you know, related to coronavirus that they needed to be aware of. So handy, that worked out. Very convenient. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you see clients uh, facing when they start moving towards these models, whether it be these specific tool sets, but just in the in more broader senses, enabling um, and being prepared for that flexible, remote um, employee experience?
1: Well, there's two areas I feel like we really face challenges. And it's not about technology. It's about people and culture. Yeah. So the first one I feel like is the culture of leadership. You need to understand as an organization you know we look at um, some of the experiments bigger companies are running these days like Microsoft in Japan looking at the four-day work week those are the types of things I think we're really going to see the payoff for team members employees uh, getting reach of the types of skill set and candidate you can get for sometimes a lower price or more importantly maybe a skill you couldn't get in your local market we're going through some of that right now with our team in Texas that there are some needs that a client have and there isn't really an opportunity for that particular skill set in that market. And so we have to go broader. So you put you at the cultural um, acceptance. Um, and some of our clients are very much someone that we can think, hey, if I don't see the person at the desk today, it yeah. must not be working, which isn't necessarily the truth, right? A lot of times people are very productive at home um, or remotely. So mm-hmm. I think it's a cultural piece first. Um, secondly, a, a not so minor item, and it's been getting a lot of uh, maybe attention recently is security. But I think as we manage our home networks and our home environments Mm -hmm. and and keep track of that, that's also a very relevant point. You know, that if we're going to be uh, more and more having very sensitive information accessible by our team members remotely, we've got to make sure their environment's set up to our standards.
0: Yeah, that's a very fair point. Definitely needs to be considered. I like how you brought it back to the people thing because I think that's true. Like going back to the beginning and people management At the end of the day, there's still a person behind all that technology. There's still a person, you know, who has to be reliable and operate with accountability and being remote and using this technology, you know, can help, help them be empowered and, or can prohibit them, you know, in some respects, but it amplifies, you know, some aspects of what's going on. Um, I just had, it's funny that you're talking about this because with, with um, coronavirus, I just had like a, a little rant with someone recently about, um, different people, business owners, it's usually a business owner, or a business leader, who's kind of expressing the frustrations that are made. And, and you, you see all the jokes, like you said, about the pajamas, and then you see like, people with wine glasses, like behind the computer, and, you know, and then you see like the Netflix on, and you, you sort of sit back and, and one, you know, as an employer, I mean, over the years, I've had, I've had a lot of remote employees. And sometimes, um, I, I remember just recently, I had one of my Denver people in the office in Honolulu and my client came in, we had a meeting, he left and I, inter- but I was introducing people. He's like, Oh, you're in Colorado. And then was like, this opened this door. of Like, how do you manage that? Dina?" like all these concerns about like, you know, how do you make sure? And I've had multiple business owners come to me and ask, like, how do you, how do you manage that? So I coming back to the people side of it, are there tech tools and techniques just managing people? Because, the technology can be set up, but you're right, there's a people aspect to this. Any thoughts I mean, your experience in this space? You've had a mo- remote team for you know, a fair amount yeah. of time.
1: Since we've instantiated in those six, we've always had some portion of remote teams. So I think uh, you're absolutely right. So number one, the recruiting process, you know, making sure that you're finding people that take personal accountability and have pride in the outcomes of what they've done in the past and what they're gonna do for you. Ultimately, the culture uh, starts with the recruiting. So making sure that you have individuals that are helping you bring, attract and retain folks that that take accountability for their work is a core piece. There are technologies, whether it be Slack or Teams or other ways you can monitor to make sure folks are online. But my mind if you still if you have a workforce that you're micromanaging in that way you have to like track how many hours they're logged in green light on a um, slack or something i think you've really missed the point i think the culture has to be i'm going to hold you accountable to be in the meetings you're supposed to be in i'm going to hold you accountable for the deliverables you owe i'm going to hold you accountable for your responsiveness and if you really find people that have that level of professionalism um, you're going to find the success and you'll find you're not worrying about how often their light is green they're always available for you when you need them. Um, And when they're not, uh, they're back to you quickly and getting the things done you need. I think that's uh, ultimately the the focus is the culture of the leadership, uh, focusing on outcomes and less about uh, the metrics of how often your lights green.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's funny because I've had, and maybe you can have, um, you know, you have some stories about this too, but I have had people
1: who also are
0: just not, it's, they're, they really struggle with that transition. I think it's attractive at the beginning when you're recruiting and they're like, yeah, I can do this and blah, blah, blah. And then like we start going and I'm realizing like, wow, they're really struggling with this change. And um, you know, sometimes it's just not a fit for the day-to-day, um, but I don't know if you have any share- stories to share on that
1: topic. Absolutely. And so that comes back to a little bit of the recruiting process. If they haven't had experience Some of the things we'll ask about is uh, what is their aptitude for applying their own structure you know how is it that they like to manage their own day and if they can describe the ways that they manage their own day in the office normally then they're going to be more likely to do that successfully from home Uh, i think again back to the teamwork too we all also have to hold ourselves uh, jointly responsible right making sure that we've got uh, regular check-ins as a group uh, that we understand the plans of what we all owe and that we can see that progress happening over the course of the day and the week. Um, I think that that piece, whether you were in an office or whether now you're not physically in the same space, you know when that's happening pretty quickly when, I know we've all had those experiences in college or other places where you have team projects assigned, you know the folks who aren't carrying their weight pretty quickly, and that really transfers well to the space as well.
0: I agree. Yeah, it just brings a ton of visibility to it, um, to who they, who, who they really are at the end of the day if they're able to handle that. So um question for you as, as it relates to so we talked about tailspin, we talked about conveyor, these tools and technologies and having remote employees, and there's been such so much more attention placed on it as a result of um, you know, what's happened with these stay at home orders and shelter in place and things of that nature. Where do you think like long term where things are gonna go? Um, do you think there's gonna be some big changes? Do you think it can't be ignored? Do you think I've heard people say this is a new norm like I know norm, you know what I mean, over the next 30 days, but Longer term, where do you see things going as it relates to remote work and and some of these tools and technologies that you mentioned?
1: I absolutely believe that uh, what many organizations, we've had pressure um, in the United States really for well over a decade as we've looked at offshoring certain skill sets and leaned on other countries like India or China or other places. And even now we're looking at the Ukraine or South America, how can we get a lower cost workforce somewhere else? Um, I really believe that there's the value of getting a lower cost workforce here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we can do that by leveraging some of these technologies. If we can allow people to live in areas they desire that cost them less, uh, they can then work with us as a a country uh, with a lower cost structure as well. So I think one piece is recognizing that uh, the American workforce is going to want to, the leadership in America, I believe, is going to want to see more workforce here, I think they're going to continue to be looking for a lower cost workforce and I think as you remove the overhead um, I've seen some statistics around being able to deploy a good uh, solution for someone to work from home for something in the thousands of dollars like two or three thousand dollars a year and costs uh, with internet and things along these lines uh, being leveraged Uh, whereas the overhead for in the office, providing them coffee, the power and, uh, uh, capabilities locally, that they're all together. Uh, workspace is being provided. It's in the tens of thousands sometimes, uh, depending on where you are, to provide the same level of capability. So you take that math very quickly and scale it across uh, thousands of people in your workforce, and there's a huge potential savings uh, to do this effectively. So I think this is a good sample where we're gonna see how productive can people still be definitely impacted right now Uh, a lot again culture uh, and tools were not necessarily deployed ahead of time so a lot of it is still conference calls um, a lot of meetings of video that has you know problems challenges not everyone's familiar with all the complex capabilities of these tools you know things like zoom and go to meeting are actually pretty powerful and have some pieces that we don't always leverage so i think uh, as we look at that and people get a little bit smarter about it um, in the short term, I think we're going to see a lot of go back to the office and try to return to things as usual. But I think when uh, the businesses go measure what happened while this was going on, they'll quickly see. There's huge ROI in making small investments. When you think about the dollars they spend on real estate and other overhead today, gotcha. you, the fraction of that would buy you great outputs remotely and moving parts of the workforce that direction.
0: Yeah, agree. Um, I, I agree with you. I think we're going to see some changes. I think if nothing else, I think the acknowledgement that they need to, to have the flexibility in place, um, because you're right. Cause there's some, like, like we were just talking about the recruiting aspect, like there are some people that were, were not recruited for remote and now all of a sudden they're working remote. So, you know, there's an aspect of that that's got to kind of even out. But, um, I think, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, employers, at least that I'm aware of, that are like, wow, you know, I, at least being ready for that flexibility and maybe longer term, it starts to become um, more embedded and baked into it. Uh, the flexibility is needed. And you're right, like the security aspect, like I'm, some of the people that I've t- talked to, it's not just that we're so fortunate because we're always on the go. We got our laptops, we're always running around, but, you know, it, having laptops and then getting VPN and like the security setup. That uh, takes takes some effort, but I, I agree with you. I think it's gonna it's gonna create the requirement for minimum the flexibility um, to do so, and and then we'll have to even out those those people aspects that may not be matching. But
1: and that'll be something that we we've always had cultural challenges in organizations that there are those that you know aren't good at being in the office at the same time as everyone else or folks that like to take longer lunches or we've always had some cultural 100%. components that we fight. We we're gonna have that here too. It's just gonna be different.
0: hundred oh, percent. that's a great great point. Um, okay, well good. I'm, we're gonna wind things down. I um, there's a question of a day of the day that I'd like to ask you. Um, I'm doing this. Uh, our company has taken the pledge one percent, which essentially means that we're giving back one percent of our time. Um, to help inspire youth to pursue careers in technology. Um, and so related to that, I've kind of been gathering up from those that are respected IT professionals, such as yourself and business leaders. Um, what advice, what is your best advice that you would have for a student who may be interested in pursuing a career in technology?
1: Sure. Well, I think the first thing is there's a balance of early adoption and involvement of technology in your personal life. Uh, so for example, for better or worse, I have allowed my daughter at seven years old to begin access to virtual reality headsets and things along those <laughs> lines as was a result of as part of my work. Um, and so we're seeing you know, her adapt very quickly to some of these things, probably too early. Um, but I think what we reinforce for her, and obviously it's seven-year-olds different than what I would advise a high schooler or someone in college, but the point being, um, it's not all about the tech. So remember, much like today's conversation, yes, Conveyor is a great tool, Tailspin's got some great solutions. There's some great capabilities in those areas, but the people are the point. So I think one, it is definitely find the pieces of the technology that create passion for you and pursue those. But remember, the people are ultimately the point too. So someone either has to be a user of your product or you have to interact with someone to develop a product. Um, getting those interpersonal skills can't be lost just because technology is something of a passion for you.
0: That is very sage advice. Thank you very much. All right, Mark, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you, Dina.